Luke chapter 10. Before we read our passage, let me give you an introduction here. We're going to talk to this morning about loving our neighbor. <clears throat> and I think in some sense, this Christianity in our day and age has missed the message. I recently listened to on Audible, I listened to Ben-Hur. Right? And, and you know, the, <clears throat> listening to, to a book and, uh, and watching a film are completely different things. Uh, what you notice as you listen, as, as you go through the book Ben-Hur, it's a, got a very strongly uh, Christian picture to it. And Ben-Hur, you'll remember from the film, uh, has been very poorly treated by the Romans, and he spends his life, dedicates his life to getting even. Apart from that, he's a Jew, and so he wants to see the power of Rome cast off uh, from his people. He wants to see his people free. He wants to see his people without that power. And he encounters Jesus a couple of times in his lifetime, and he encounters some people who know Jesus. And he sees all of this falling into place in the same way. And in fact, he thinks, you know what? Uh, if he can just get to the place where um, <clears throat> he, can, uh, he can be a help to Jesus and what Jesus wants to do, uh, that would be a great thing. The only problem for him is that he thinks Jesus' mission and his mission are the same. Get rid of the Romans. And so what he sets up to do, he becomes fabulously wealthy through several different means uh, in his lifetime. He's going to dedicate his wealth to building an army that Jesus can use to cast off, off the, the, the power of the Romans. Right? And he's, he, he's, he's a warrior himself, so he's, he's out training men and he's doing the work. And then he gets to encounter some of the teaching of Jesus. And uh, he's a bit nonplussed by it because it's not like he thought it was going to be. And his advisors are telling him one thing and telling him another. And one of them is saying, no, Jesus is something different than you imagine. Uh, Jesus is about love. But he doesn't get that. That doesn't kind of fit. I mean, we have the Romans that hate us, and we hate them, and we just want to get rid of them. Uh, <clears throat> we need to do the business of fighting. And so he's, he's working his way through this. And finally, uh, <clears throat> in the last days of Jesus, he's around. And finally, as Jesus is on his way to Calvary to be crucified, he actually encounters him. And he breaks through the crowd and gets to be near Jesus. And he has this amazing revelation. Jesus wasn't going there against his will. He planned this. This is what he wanted to do. This is what he came for. He came not to overcome the Romans with a sword, but to overcome with love. And he sees he's completely caught off guard by the reality of what he sees, and he's converted at that point. But I think very often in Christianity, <clears throat> what happens for us is we're kind of somewhere between the fighting because we know that would be wrong and the love, and we're caught somewhere in the middle in kind of a nowhere land. But the message of Jesus is a message of love. Now, it's not a silly Soppy kind of a love. Let me put that out of some of your minds. The love that took Jesus to the cross had nothing soft in it. That was a tough love. But it was love. And it was putting himself aside so that we could have life. And that's what we're called to. That's who we are. 
That's, that's what we are. You know, a Christian who doesn't love is like a mechanic who can't fix cars. Is like uh, a doctor who knows nothing about medicine. It's not peripheral to the message. It is the message. It is the reality of the message. And if we don't uh, catch that, we miss it. And all the confusion of our age, it's very easy for us to miss that completely. And, you know, <clears throat> the Jews were familiar with the idea of loving your neighbor. That was in the Old Testament law. They, uh, they knew it was there. But just like us, they had a difficulty with it that they wanted to kind of shift the responsibility from it. And so in the passage that we're going to read, a familiar passage to you, uh, in Luke chapter 10, uh, <clears throat> verse 24, Luke 10 and verse uh, 24, uh, sorry, verse 25, <clears throat> uh, a lawyer comes and asks Jesus a question. And Jesus, as he could and as he often did, gives an answer that just shatters all the obstacles and all the preconceived notions and all the issues that might stand uh, between this person and knowing what God really wanted. And he does it for us in our day and age too. And we're going to take and read our passage and then we're going to apply it somewhat and <clears throat> let the Lord have his way in our hearts, I hope. Right, Luke 10.25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love thy Lord, the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself. Now we're always willing to justify ourselves, aren't we? He was willing to justify himself. He was willing to kind of, wanted to make himself look good in the situation, and wanted to prove that he was uh, one of the good guys, as we so often do. <clears throat> He willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, and when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, Jesus is using the picture of a Samaritan uh, very purposefully here, because the Samaritans and the Jews have nothing to do with each other. I mean, to say they hated each other wouldn't, wouldn't be out of order. They had nothing to do with each other. Religion-wise, the, uh, the Jews regarded the Samaritans as being half-breeds and, and um, compromised and everything else, and, and they would have nothing to do with them. And it's this Samaritan that comes along, not the priest and not the Levite, uh, the Samaritan that comes along, <clears throat> he had compassion on him. And when he went, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy unto him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now the, the, the application is very clear to us. Right? The application tells us that we are to love our neighbor. And our neighbor is not the comfortable person that we get on well with. 
Our neighbor is not even the person that lives next door necessarily. Could be, but it's not necessarily. Our neighbor is that person who's in need. That person whose path we cross and they're in need. And Jesus doesn't give us any way out of loving them. He doesn't give us any categories that we don't have to love. He tells us we're to love them all. So that you and I are to be actively loving a world that is desperately in need of his love. But it's to be active in our life. We've talked about the fact that God loved us. And that, that really unseats all our problems if we let it, because God loves us. That's, I mean, we are loved. We are, we are set. We are uh, taken care of. We are accepted in the beloved. We're in. Just, just because. Just because him. Right? Not because we're, we're good. Not because we're the good guys, but because him. And then we talked about our loving God. And that's a different thing, because it's easy for us to uh, have all kinds of things we say are love and not, not to love God. And then he talks about us loving our neighbor, which in a sense is the manifestation of all that we've been talking about up to now, that it actually comes out in our lives that we, we love our neighbor, that we're known uh, <clears throat> as a people that love. And the world desperately needs it. And no one else can do it except God through us. And so he wants us, as we live our lives, to reach out to those people that are in need in love. Always. That's about for prayer. Father, would you bless your word to us now? Would you help us, Lord? Lord, we do thank you, Lord, for that you make the command so clear. But, Lord, you, you know our hearts and you know the, the obstacles and the knots in our souls and the things that hold, our ba- hold us back. And, Lord, I, I have no hope that words can convince your people and change minds and hearts. Blessed Spirit, that's your work and your job. Uh, would you take and do it in our hearts, even in this mo- these moments, Lord? Just take and change our hearts and make us that people uh, that love as you want us to love. And Lord, may we change the world because of your love through us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're supposed to love our neighbor. <clears throat> um, and <clears throat> first question is, who, who am I to love? Well, it's my neighbor. And Jesus answered, uh, this is Mark 12. Uh, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Now, Jesus, when he gave these commandments, didn't say these are part of the commandments. He said, no, these, these two are, if you like, uh, a summation of the whole thing. Uh, these two, if you catch these two, you're going to catch all of it. Uh, you're supposed to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And we've just had explained to us uh, who our neighbor is. Now, our neighbor <clears throat> is anyone whose path I cross and they're in need. And there's a lot of people out there in need. And by the way, it's not just talking about their physical need. See, we live in a day and age when, for the most part, people's physical needs are pretty okay. They're, they're, they're doing pretty okay. There's plenty around if somebody wants to avail of it for uh, them to take care of their physical needs. But 
there are all kinds of needs and all kinds of problems and burdens in people's lives, uh, and we're supposed to reach out to them. See, it's not talking about those of the same faith. You know, we would like to make it just our group, and um, <clears throat> well, we're supposed to love them. We'll talk uh, later about loving the brethren, uh, but no, it's, it's talking, not, not talking about people of the same faith. It's not talking about people of the same race or color. Uh, it's not talking about those who are worthy. If you had waited to be worthy before God loved you, you'd never have received it. It's not talking about people who are worthy. Right? Uh, it's not talking about those people I have an affinity with. You see, the, the, the heart of prejudice is, I only like people who are like me. And Jesus exploded that completely, just blew it away. No, 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 no. It's not about you loving people that are like you. I mean, that's what we do naturally and normally. Christianity is about us going out and beyond what's comfortable for us and loving people that are different to us. Loving people that uh, see things differently. Lo- loving people and, and, and wanting to help them and wanting to meet their needs, even though they're uh, nothing like uh, <clears throat> what we are. And we've we got to grab that thought. We've got to understand that thought. It's not the people that you are naturally drawn to that you're supposed to love, but it's the opposite. See that Samaritan man going the road? I mean, he looked at that Jew... That, and you know what? Good enough for him could have been realistically and reasonably uh, what his race at least would have said. That's not what he did. He had compassion on him. Something in him was stirred so that he wanted to take care of this man who was nothing like him and nothing to do with him. And uh, something inside of him was caught. And so he had compassion on this man. Uh, He wanted to reach out and to help this man. And he did. And it cost him. But he did it. I I wonder how often do we in our daily life pass by somebody who's in need and we turn the other way. Just like the priest and the Levite, don't we? Man, I'm sure if you talked to that priest, I mean, that priest could have given you all kinds of reasons. I mean, he was busy. He was, he, he, he was busy about the Lord's work. I mean, he, uh, he, he was doing serious stuff. He didn't have time to stop. And besides, it was dangerous. Because you know what? I mean, if you stop to take care of somebody who's just been beaten up by thieves, maybe the thieves are waiting in the bushes, and you know what? Maybe you're going to get beaten up and everything you have taken as well. And besides, it was nothing to do with him. He could have given all kinds of reasons, couldn't he? I think we do that too, don't we? Don't we sometimes miss, very often maybe, miss the central theme of what's happening? And don't we do it for all kind of good reasons to our own minds? We just miss it. We just let them pass on. It's inconvenient. It doesn't work for us. And so we, we pass on by. And God says, you're missing the basic thing here. You're missing the basic thing. You're missing the basic uh, issue. Let, let, let me talk to you for a moment about the idea of inflow and outflow. You know, wherever there's going to be an inflow, there has to be an outflow uh, somehow. Somehow, the, you know, if you've got water flowing into a pool, well, it can only flow in until the pool is full, and then it's got to go somewhere. 
Right? <clears throat> and if it doesn't go somewhere, it ends up be- becoming stagnant because it evaporates. And when, when we talk about the love of God in our lives and the love of God flowing into our lives, it's got to go somewhere. You know, you, you're, you're not the receptacle for it. You're not the, uh, the storage tank for God's love. You're, you're a channel for the love of God to flow through and out into the world to other people. And so what happens is that when you and I won't love, we stop the inflow. We stop what's flowing into us. We stop what God is doing uh, in our lives. And we don't enjoy all there is. Now listen, there's plenty of love to go around. God's not going to run short anytime soon. He's not, he's not going to come to the place anytime soon where he, where he feels, um, listen, oh, Gorman, I haven't got enough for you anymore. You'll, I, I got so many people I'm focusing on over here. He's not going to run short. But you know what happens? When I stop loving... I stop that inflow. I stop that inflow. You ever notice this, that when you get angry, something happens spiritually in your life instantly. Have you ever noticed that? It's amazing. Now the, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Uh, let not the sun go down uh, upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Because when you and I get angry, what we do is we stop loving and we start expressing hatred. And you know what? We shut off the work of, the God, of God in our lives, shut off the spirit of God in our lives, we shut off the inflow of that love. You know, it doesn't work. By the way, it's not worth getting angry. It is not worth getting angry. Tozer said, it, uh, said <clears throat> that, he, that he found that losing his temper just wasn't worth it because it took so long to get it back. <clears throat> and you know what? It is not worth you and I getting angry. There's nothing worth you and I getting angry about um, <clears throat> in that sense. But we're supposed to love. Now, God wants us to reach out to people in love, our hearts to be out there, reaching out. You say, but pastor, if I do that, my heart's going to get broken. You, you can be sure your heart's going to get broken. But you know what? Listen, there's one that will minister to your broken heart. It won't be the people you're loving, but there's one that can minister to your broken heart and that can help you, but he wants you to love. He wants you to reach out to people in love. He wants that to be your life. He wants you to be a channel, touching people in love. In your life. That, that's what he wants. That's the plan. Totally against our nature. But that's what he wants for us. Now, second question is, how am I supposed to love? How am I to love? <clears throat> and second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, <clears throat> you might tell me this morale, I don't like myself very much. You may not like yourself very much, but do, do love yourself a lot. <clears throat> we all do. We don't miss out on that one. See my finger? I don't know what's wrong with my finger, but... Uh, I, I, I cut it at some point yesterday, and it's very sore. My pinky is very sore. Now, you know, you'll, you'll notice that my pinky uh, is well taken care of today. It's got a bandage on it, and it's got uh, some germline on it, because I think there might be something in there. But I took good care of my pinky. Why? Because I love myself. Right? Now, that's not just me. If you hurt your finger, you would take right good care of your finger, too. Uh, <clears throat> you know, if you hit your finger with a hammer, you don't say, stupid finger, why did you get in the way? Uh, no, you mind it and you, you look after it. We are experts at loving ourselves. We're really good. You know, you and I understand why we get things wrong, don't we? We're very understanding about our own problems and issues. We're very understanding about where we get it wrong. We tend to, 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 to look at ourselves which, in such forgiving terms and we look at everybody else with condemnation sometimes. But <clears throat> you know what? God says you're supposed to love other people 
as you love yourself. You're to extend to them the same understanding that you give to yourself. You're to extend to them the same compassion that you give to yourself. So you know what? You're supposed to want to bind up their wounds just as much as you want to bind up your own. You're supposed to want to help them just like you want to help yourself. We're supposed to love them as you love yourself. And you're good at that. We're all good at that. We don't have a problem with that. Uh, For all the difficulties we have and so on, all of it comes back to the fact that we're we're pretty good at loving ourselves. We're pretty good at at looking out for ourselves, even though we might not like ourselves sometimes. Even though we might have issues. We still love ourselves. We take care of ourselves. You see, uh, loving and religion are not the same thing. Don't we sometimes do that? Well, I'm a religious person, therefore I, I am loving because, uh, you know, religion, true godliness makes you loving. It didn't make the priest loving, and it didn't make the Levite loving. And Jesus, by the way, was always, he always had double edges to what he was saying. And double edges and, and, and triple edges. He was always dealing with so many things at the one time. But what he's saying is, you know, just because just you're a priest doesn't mean you're, you're getting it right. And just because you're a Levite doesn't mean you're getting it right. And we need to be careful because it's so easy for us to think, well, we're the good guys. We're the Christians. We're his people. We're the good guys. We're, we're the special people. Because we're, and, you know, listen, we're his people because he loves us. But it's very easy for us to come to the place where we look down on others because we're the good guys. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. They were the good guys. They were the guys that got it right. They were the guys that did it right. And it was, it, it, it was so easy for them to think, you know, well, listen, we're the good guys and you're the bad guys. And you look down on the bad guys, and um, <clears throat> we can do that one too. And God says, no, 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 your, your religion doesn't make you loving. You know, <clears throat> a teenager came home from choir practice early one evening. His, his father was incredulous because the boy never came home early from anything. And looking over his paper, he asked, what brings you back so soon? Uh, well, we had to call off choir practice for this week, the youth replied. The organist and the choir director got in a terrible argument about how to sing Love Divine, so we quit for tonight. Now, do you see the irony of that there? But we can do that and miss the irony of it sometimes. That we're arguing about minute and missing the big picture. That we're arguing about small things. You see, just because you're religious doesn't make you uh, loving. You've you got to look deeper inside yourself uh, than that. Right? <clears throat> Uh, sometimes the unspiritual provide the example of love, and that's what Jesus is doing with the Samaritan man. He, he wasn't claiming this man was a great spiritual giant. He wasn't claiming that he was born again or saved. Or uh, he, he wasn't. Cla- All he was saying was, you know what, this guy was doing the loving thing. And sometimes the unspiritual get it right where we don't. Also, though, compassion is a key element of your loving. Now, compassion is hard for us. And here's the reason compassion is hard for us. I don't, I don't want to feel my pain, never mind yours. <clears throat> I, got, I got enough troubles in my own life without letting without your troubles into my life uh, to, to, to mess me up and to make me feel bad. But in order for me to feel compassion for somebody, I have to, at some level, let their pain in. I have to be touched by their pain. Jesus was touched by people's pain. 
You'll see again and again, he had compassion on them. He, he saw the multitude and they were a sheep having no shepherd and he had compassion on them. He saw them and they were hungry and he had compassion on them. And he fed them. He had compassion on them and he, he, he healed them. Jesus had compassion all the time. It wasn't like he walked through the world, a perfect human being, never touched by anything. He was touched by everything. And his compassion always caused him to act, to do something. It caused him to do something for them. You see, love always costs. God so loved that he gave. And if we're going to love, it's going to cost us. If we're going to love, it's going to mean that our tidy little organized world gets upset. That our tidy little organized world gets knocked about sometimes. Because you can't interact with people and you can't have compassion without it costing you. The, <clears throat> the very meaning of, uh, of the word agape carries with it the idea of it's going to cost. Did it cost God to love you? A lot. And it's going to cost you if you're going to love too. You've got to step outside yourself. <clears throat> love doesn't seek a return, the Bible says, either. You're, you're not looking for something back. I think we get very messed up when we start looking for a return on our love from the people that we're loving. And let me explain that to you. You know, <clears throat> when you come and you're loving somebody and you're expecting a return, you're expecting them to love you back, it's not really love. Now, if they return it and they give it back, that's totally up to them. But when you're loving, you're doing something you're giving. You're receiving from him. It's flowing through you and into them. You're loving. You're actually reaching out and you're touching them with your life. You're not expecting a return. And I think what happens is that when we get focused on a return, we get fed up. You know, some of you don't witness. And here's the reason you don't witness, because you witness to people. And you witness to lots of people, and they didn't get saved. So, you know what? <clears throat> Effectively, you're saying, well, you know, I've tried. So just forget that. And what happened was, is you were expecting the return to come back to you. Do you know they might get saved, those people that you've witnessed to? They might actually get saved. Somebody said it takes somebody hearing the gospel 14 times before they get saved. I really, I, I suppose I don't entirely believe it. But you know what? I did not get saved the first time I heard the gospel, and you probably didn't either. And, and, you know, after I was saved, the, 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 the person who, who gave the gospel to me the first time uh, <clears throat> knew nothing of She was not involved in me getting saved. But after I was saved, I was able to go back and talk to her about it. Uh, but you know what? She sowed a seed. Somebody else watered the seed, and eventually I got saved. And you know what? Witnessing is not just about you reaping a harvest that you can look at and chalk up for you. It's about you loving people. Because you really can't love people and not witness to them, can you? I mean, you can't love people and not reach out to their deepest need of all, which is to know they're saved and on their way to heaven. There's, there's no way for you to love people uh, <clears throat> without telling them about Jesus and the fact that he died for them. I mean, that's part and parcel of it. And I think sometimes we disconnect on that point and don't realize we're disconnecting love. Because I've got to tell people, I mean, if I know people are going to hell and I have the answer because Jesus graciously stepped into my life and saved me, you know, <clears throat> I need to tell people about that, don't I? And so do you. And I think right on that point there, we disconnect. 
We walk by the wounded and the dying and we say, well, nothing I can do about it. It's their own fault anyway. They did it to themselves. He, she, he shouldn't have been on that, traveling on that road on his own. You know, <clears throat> and what we can do is we can justify the fact uh, that lost people are lost uh, be, and it's their own fault. But you know what? I was lost once and it was my fault too. That didn't stop Jesus and the people that stepped into my life from stepping in and it shouldn't stop us either. And even if you don't see a return, it shouldn't stop you. <clears throat> because you know what? You don't know where the return is coming from. You don't know who's getting saved and who's not getting saved. I think we're going to be very surprised in heaven at who's there and who's not there. I think we're going to be, um, you know, very surprised. And, you know, I would like to think that, you know, we, we go out there next week and everybody witness them that we could see uh, the church double in size because everybody saw one person saved. But that's not realistic. It's not realistic for, for, for this point. First of all, if we all go, go out there and witness, people may get saved, but not right now. People may also get saved and not come here. People may get saved and kind of lie dormant for uh, quite a while. So, you know, we've got to get our eyes off the idea of a return in this thing and recognize, you know what? My job is to be a messenger. My job is to tell people. My job is to get the word out there. My job is to talk to people of it, <clears throat> about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to, is, is to convict them and win them. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I just need to keep spreading the seed. Eventually, the seed's going to take root and grow. But I don't need to see it all. Because I think we get very discouraged when we expect a return on our love. <clears throat> now, quickly, why am I to love? And the second is like this, namely, by the way, we're looking at the same verse three times. I, I understand that. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment. Why are you supposed to love? Because it's a commandment. It's not something that's optional. Sometimes we, <clears throat> sometimes we take things that Jesus said as being optional. You know what I mean? I'll do it, well, <clears throat> if I can. You know, that's not my nature. You know, I'm not good at that. So-and-so's good at that, but I'm not really good at that. Uh, and we take the, the commands of Jesus as optional. You definitely can't take this one as optional. There's no room for that. Right? <clears throat> Two, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Two, love God and love your neighbor. It's not an optional. You and I are supposed to be actively loving our, our neighbors. It's a command. That's the first reason. I mean, there's, listen, if we're not obeying the command, that's disobedience, isn't it? I mean, if, I, if, the, if you tell the child to go and take the bin out and the child doesn't take the bin out, um, you know, that's disobedience. If God says, I want you to love and you don't love, then that's disobedience, isn't it? You know, so, so we can be doing all the spiritual exercises we like, but if it doesn't result in us loving people, that's disobedience. And loving people means I'm going to have a heart for that person who's needy and I'm going to reach out to them and help them. And core, central to it all, is going to be the gospel because, you know, they may not understand it, but their, their real need is the gospel. That's going to be core. That's going to be my heart as far as it's concerned. So, first of all, it's a command. But secondly, because without it, nothing else counts. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says? Though I speak with the tongues of angels, and I'm, I'm a tinkling brass and a sounding cymbal. You know, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give my body to be burned, it's nothing. If I don't have love. God says, without love, none of the rest of it counts. You see, you and I have a basic problem. In fact, the whole world has a basic problem. We're dreadfully selfish. It's written in our DNA. 
That's, listen, if you don't know that about yourself, you're deceived. We are dreadfully selfish. That's just who we are. That's, that's what we are. Sin has made us that. In fact, the essence of sin is I'm selfish. That's my nature. That's who I am. That's what I am. Can I do noble things? Yes, I can do noble things. Can I do nice things for people? Yes, I can do nice things for people. But you know what? In the woof and the fabric of it, in our DNA, we're dreadfully selfish. And when God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, he he wasn't just sending him to buy us fire insurance that would get us out of hell. He, He was doing something deep in our hearts that was going to change who we were and change the way we relate to the world. He was doing something so deep that, that, that it's, it's, it goes so far and it's so rich and so real that it changes us. And he wanted to change the world as well. By the way, do you know that Christianity is very successful? Sometimes we, look at, sometimes we look at the church and we think, man, the church is just small and it's weak and it's going backwards and, and all of us. No, no, no. Jesus set a snowball rolling uh, 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, and it's covered the world and continues to cover the world. Everybody's not saved. Everybody will never get saved. But the church is uh, functioning well in spite of all its problems and all its issues because it's his church. And he, and he takes it all, and he, and he works. So, so, so don't you for a moment think that the church is not functioning. Now, here's, here's one of the things you're going to have to face up to, though. Uh, for the church and the reality of what God did to work in your life, you're going to have to face up to the fact that I'm selfish by nature. Now, look, you're, 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 you're in good company or bad company, depending on what you like to, which way you like to put it. Uh, we're all the same. So you're here this morning, you know, I'm not just singling you out. We're all selfish. And Jesus came to deal a death blow to that. Jesus came to overcome with love. You see, Ben Hurst's deal was he was going to overcome with hate. He was going to overcome with national selfishness. He was going to o- Jesus was going to overcome with love, with giving himself. Let me read you uh, something that <clears throat> Andrew Murray wrote in a little book, Absolute Surrender. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, When man sinned, why was it that he sinned? Selfishness triumphed. He sought self instead of God. And just look, Adam at once begins to accuse the woman of having having led him astray. Love to God had gone. Love to man was lost. Look again. Of the first two children of Adam, the one becomes a murderer of his brother. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Why? Because nothing but love can expel and conquer our selfishness. Nothing but, like, see, when God gives you a command, there's a double edge to it. He gives you a command because he wants you to obey him. But hidden in the command, there's also a blessing. And you know what? Your biggest problem is you're selfish. And you know what conquers your selfishness? Love. It's the only thing that conquers our selfishness. It's the only thing that really can help us when we get down to it uh, is Love. Receiving the love of God into my life, being warmed and enjoying him, and then releasing that love in my life to other people, letting other people be touched by that love. That's the only thing that's going to help me. Not only is it going to help them, but it's going to help me. You see, we also have to come to understand, if I think I can love God in my own strength, I can't. I think I can love man in my own strength. I can't. I'm, I'm not able to. You know what? 
My selfishness is always going to overcome. But it's when I let his love in and his love affect me, then I begin to overflow and I begin to have what I need and enough to give others as well. But this love thing changes everything. It's impossible for me to love apart from walking in the Spirit, apart from living in the Spirit, apart from letting the Spirit of God in control of my life. See, if I get up tomorrow morning and I say, okay, now, Lord, I mean, I've got, <clears throat> I've got a lot of things to do today. I need you to kind of take a back seat here for a moment because I've got stuff to do today. And, and when I've got that stuff done, uh, I'll come back and we'll reconnect. That's going to be a day without me loving because I don't have it in me. But when I let him work in my life, then I can be loving. You see, <clears throat> many of us are like the priests and the Levite. We think we're okay, but in the most basic area of our Christianity, we fail. And... Folks, whenever you read about the Pharisees, don't be so hard on them. Because we're the Pharisees. We're the, we're the good guys, aren't we? Isn't that what you think? Well, I'm a good guy. Well, you know, why am I a good guy? Well, because I'm saved. Because I read my Bible. Because I go to church. And listen, the Pharisee, he, listen, he thought he was a good guy too. But you know what? <clears throat> when it came down to it, it was all external, and it can be external for us. You know where you're going to know it's not external? You know what you can't manufacture and I can't manufacture? You know what we can't pretend and get by with? We can't do love. The simplest and yet the hardest thing in the world is for you and I to love. <laughs> now, not the people that suit me, not the people I'm comfortable with, not my friends. But the people who go against my grain. The people who naturally I want to draw back from. Loving those people. Having compassion on those people. And reading, reaching out to them. Isn't that what Jesus said to the man? This lawyer, go and do thou likewise. Isn't that what he says to us today? Go and do thou likewise. So the invitation today is not to come forward, and the invitation is not to even raise your hand, and the invitation is not for you to actually uh, think about it and think about what you do, because you know. I haven't said anything that you, you weren't convinced of before I spoke. I've just kind of brought it to mind, haven't I? <clears throat> you know, the invitation is, go and do thou likewise. This week. This week. Find someone who's in need Step outside yourself in your own selfish comfort zone and meet their need. Take care of them. And, and don't forget about the gospel. I'm not, you don't go in uh, you know, with, a, with a hammer and beat the gospel into somebody. God will give you opportunity, but don't forget that the real need is the gospel. And you're looking for, you're looking for a way to see that person come to Jesus Christ as Savior and know him. Go and do thou Likewise. And you know what happens? The inflow increases. That's, that's going to happen. The inflow increases. You're, you're going you're to look at your situation and you're going to think it's better because the inflow is going to increase. And you know what? People will get touched. People so often don't want to know what you're saying. They, they, they want to know your love. 
And your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks when they actually see you stepping into their lives and helping and touching. That's when things change. That's time for prayer. Father in heaven, would you thank you, Lord, for this, your word to us today. Now, Lord, we are feeble, frail creatures, Lord. We can be so easily deceived into thinking we're good when we're missing out in basic areas. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you help us this morning? Help us as your people. Uh, Let the word find its mark in our hearts and lives. And, oh, Lord, may we go forth and be a people uh, that you can use to love a broken, dying world. And, Lord, if there be one here that does not know you as Savior this morning, Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you step in in that life, Lord? We haven't been talking about the gospel, but, oh, Lord, you're the convincer of hearts, Lord. If there's one that needs to be saved, oh, Lord, would you bring that conviction? And, Lord, would you touch them and draw them into that place where they could know you as Savior? We love you. We thank you for all you're doing in our lives now. Do a work in our hearts this week as we love others. In Jesus' name, amen.